Welcome to Kindly Gifted. I'm your host, Kate Tarantiva, and I can't wait to unwrap the world of influence with you. Every day, your gifted episodes, see what I did there, to help you become fluent in the business of creativity and learn the best kept industry secrets to creating an online presence worth remembering. It's really like having a momager on speed dial. So let's dive into it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You are one of the adult film industry's like most well-known actresses. You also are very well-known in the fashion space and the glamour model space. Tell me a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are now. Oh, wow. That's a very good question. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for, you know, the compliment. I always feel like I'm not that big exactly, but that's completely fine. I started out actually on Twitter mm. because um, uh, it's kind of easy to post on there because they don't have as many, you know, quote unquote community guidelines as Instagram. So mm-hmm. you can always push the limits on there and not really deal with any nonsense. And also it's been, uh, I did try Instagram and Twitter at first and I just happened to grow faster on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So from there, I started building a following. And from that following, I jumped onto OnlyFans. And once the pandemic hit and everybody was flocking to OnlyFans, that's really when my, sp- my page started blowing up and I started mm-hmm. collaborating with more people. And from that, I started building my following on more platforms such as Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So a very diverse presence in social media and like you have experience with so many different platforms. Yeah, I just love to try a little bit of everything and see what is best for me and, you know, what's not. For sure. What ultimately drove you to the adult film industry and glamour modeling versus other types of content? Why did you choose to do that kind of first in your journey? That's a very good question. So initially, when I started out on my quote unquote content creation journey, I didn't really feel confident in my sense of fashion and beauty Mm. out there, you know, giving people advice. Because back then, you know, that space was mostly taken by people who were extremely good at what they did and had more of an expertise level. And I was like, you know what? I don't see myself really bringing that kind of stuff out there, you know, telling them, oh, how do you do this nice makeup tutorial without, you know, feeling like, okay, I'm going to be compared to somebody like Patrick Starr or Jackie Oina. So I felt like, you know what? I don't really have that much expertise in this space. Same thing about fashion. It's like, yeah, we're cute stuff, but, you know, it, it's fine. You know, I don't really see myself for this whole influencer journey, which mm-hmm. back then made me feel like, what if I was more confident about it? Maybe it would have worked. But um, instead, I had a French photographer who will always take, like, really nice lingerie and swim pictures of me. And from there, I was like, you know what? I like this kind of content, like more of the glamour and risque content. Mm. And I always felt really comfortable with it, really comfortable getting like really nice lingerie and stuff. So what I'll do sometimes is like, you know, if I get nice lingerie and then I book a hotel room, makes take some great pictures and videos and people loved it. 
I was mm. like, oh man, you know what? I'll just do more of that stuff. And from there, that's how I really built my following because I, I was always comfortable with the most, with the more, you know, quote unquote glamour and risky uh, content more than, you know, the quote unquote influencer type of content. Yeah, that makes sense. It's very interesting to hear how everybody gets started because you know, normally, especially with women, you hear women talk about like, oh, I don't feel comfortable in my body or how I look. So I maybe not going to go the OnlyFans route or I'm not going to go the boudoir route because I just don't feel comfortable in that. So I'm going to go the beauty and fashion route. But you did the reverse where you felt, I don't feel comfortable as an expert in this space. So I'm going to go into what makes me feel you know, the most comfortable and confident in myself. That's very true. And I just loved, you know, kind of like imitating some looks here and there and feel good about myself. It's like, okay, I will never walk on a Victoria's Secret runway show. I'm only 5'1". But why not really create that feel and presence online where I can control exactly what goes on? I know that you are also in the fashion and beauty space now, do you feel like in fashion, there are certain stigmas when it comes to creators from OnlyFans or adult film creators that are looking to join that space? Have you experienced anything like that? Or do you feel like for you personally, that hasn't been really an issue that you've struggled with? That's a very good question because at the end of the day, I think it really depends on what is it that people see you as and what is it that you put out there. Mm -hmm. And I think so far, I haven't done that much fashion content to really say that, oh, you know, I'm not really being seen as a fashion, you know, content creator because I'm still building that up. Mm -hmm. But um, if you consider lingerie fashion, which to some extent, I do believe it, it, lingerie is fashion. Yeah. Um, I am pretty present in that space. I have collaborated with quite a few brands, same thing with swimsuits. And so far, that's, you know, how far, um, as far as I've gone. But um, uh, clothing-wise, that's something I'm still working on. And is there going to be stigma at some point? Possibly. But I do believe also that things are changing and people are not as intimidated as, you know, as they used to before because... Um, I've seen uh, some people who happen to have only fans pages at Fashion Week and p- places like that. And it yeah. depends on who wants to work with you and what you bring to the table as well, you know? Yeah, especially like you said, there are people that are in that space that are at Fashion Week or even like Chloe Cherry, who was in Euphoria. Exactly. And yeah, it just kind of depends whether you want to stop at somebody's negative perception of you or if you want to keep going and find somebody who aligns with your vision and your views for things that's very true because at the end of the day when people see chloe sherry they see more of you know the euphoria actress the eclectic model more than like oh man she wasn't porn hub ha ha right a matter of perception and where you go as well because in some spaces you know where you go there and if people have, you know, that really negative mindset of women and models in general, then that's mm-hmm. going to stick to you. Otherwise, if you move to a space where people are accepting and, you know, collaborative, it's going to move differently. Yeah, that's definitely a good viewpoint. From your experience as somebody who has a very robust OnlyFans presence and you have a business on OnlyFans, what is some advice that you would give to somebody who would want to start an OnlyFans account or maybe some barriers that you 
you know, got over in your initial journey to being a glamour model? That's a very good question. And I think number one is to ask yourself, why do you want to start an OnlyFans page? Is it just because of the money? Is it because you want to express yourself? Is it because, you know, you want to push yourself in a different direction? And a lot of people, for the most part, they think OnlyFans is easy money. Mm. But they don't realize that OnlyFans is one of the hardest platforms to work on because it's like, it's a very, very high turnover rate. So mm-hmm. if you don't really maintain that capacity to maintain your page, give your fans what they want, then you, you can easily fall off. And a lot of people have fallen off and people don't talk about that, about the countless individuals who started OnlyFans page only to realize that, hey, this is not as easy as it is, I'm out. Mm-hmm. So I think number one is that your why and second, if you're like, okay, I don't mind, you know, grinding it out for a few months, maybe a year or two, then uh, think about, okay, what are my boundaries? Who is my community? What do they like? And what do I want to express? Some people do zero nude content, zero explicit content, but still, you know, have a decent presence on OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. So it really depends about what is it that I want to put out there. What I don't recommend is, you know putting stuff out there that you will regret in the future because that will be very unfortunate to feel like, oh, I have to do this because of money and things like that. And at the end of the day, that is a reality for a lot of people, but Mm -hmm. um, that's not something I recommend. It's like, if you really want to just do it for the money, try to find something else because if you are very fragile to stigma, that is not going to be helpful to you in the long term. Oh, that's an interesting... Okay, talk a little bit more about the stigma part. Because I think that's... I think from an outside perspective, I can imagine what kind of stigma creators on OnlyFans go through. But you're somebody who's in that world. What are the types of stigmas, either that you've personally experienced or that you know other people that you've collaborated with or friends have gone through that maybe aren't really talked about in mainstream media? Because I think OnlyFans is very glamorized. Like you said, everybody's like, oh, you can make easy money. You can just do this and this. Don't have to put in any effort. But you're saying a whole different perspective. Like it's a long game. That is very true. And for the most part, luckily enough, I haven't experienced that much of a stigma. I think sometimes, you know, some people will, you know, approach me on the street and be like, oh my gosh, I recognize you and everything. And that I have no problem with that. But mm-hmm. I don't see how some people out there might be really turned off by it. Mm, yeah. So like and you said, also, it has to, it's like a personal thing that you have to figure out if you're comfortable with certain things that come with that platform. Yeah. And also it's a matter of personal branding and perception mm-hmm. because once people see you as a sexual being, especially some men out there, that's all you are to them. They don't really see you as a multi-dimensional person. Now, mm-hmm. that doesn't bother me because it's like, okay, if you have a one one out of 10 vision, that's not my problem. That's yours. And I move forward. <laughs> so that's about it. But some people it's hard, especially if there are some more traditional women who wants to have a family and children and everything with, you know, a regular schmegler person. That's something to really think about because... The world has a lot of people that are not as open-minded. Mm-hmm. And when they say, oh my gosh, OnlyFans, I can't take her seriously. 
some people are like, oh man, that's a bummer. Or, you know, it's like, all right, I don't take you seriously either. So let's move on. Yeah, I read that, you know, specifically when it comes to sexuality, like when men, let's say, come across a woman in an adult film or just in general find a woman to be sexy, it's very hard for them to see her as an intelligent being if that's how they first came across her. I don't know if this mm-hmm. is true. Obviously, I'm not a dude. But... I, yeah, it is true to some extent. And I believe that men like that in general are not very intelligent in the first place. Because if you are not able to see beyond the image and right. cannot see the individual, then that's a problem. That That's your problem. You don't, I mean, you don't have to, you know, conform in any way, shape or form that you do not want to. But right. at the same time, it's like, that's a reflection of them and that's not a reflection of me. Right, exactly. Do you find that dating is kind of hard in this career or have you had any issues with that or do you feel like it's fairly easy or does it just depend, I guess, per person? Um, From my personal standpoint, I think I had a great time dating overall. The only problem sometimes, as funny as it is, is catfishing. Because mm. I used to be on dating apps and a lot of people would not believe that it was really me. Oh my God. And I bet other other people probably used your photos too. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, great. every day somebody comes to me and be like, this is a fake profile of you. This is a fake profile of you. Even the dating apps, I have to verify myself. Because one time I think I got banned from Hinge because they thought I was a catfish. Which oh I'm, not, I'm 99% sure many people reported my profile as catfish when it's really not. But I don't blame them because I have no way to know. Right. Oh my that goodness. Way. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But overall, I found it a bit overwhelming. So I'm like, I'm kind of a reclusive person. So dating has not been really my priority. But otherwise, I don't really find it to be more of a problem than it used to be. It's just that there are some new challenges. And also, there's more of a, like, you know, a trophy aspect to it. It's like, oh, my mm. gosh, you're that OnlyFans girl. So it's like, okay, who does, do they really see me as? Audrey, right. you know, so your girl, or, you know, oh, Isabel Miller is a sexy bombshell online. Yeah, that is really interesting because you do have, like, a persona online, which is very fascinating because a lot of people that have personas usually don't admit that they have personas until like very, very later on. But in, you know, the adult film industry or sex work in general, it's very common to have a persona to establish some sort of boundaries. Is -hmm. that why you personally created yours or what was the reasoning behind using another name that wasn't your name? I think number one, it was privacy. Mm -hmm. And number two, I just found it easier to build a fantasy on top of it so it's easier to like build a fantasy on top of isabel miller and really craft that image that i really want to put out there than Mm. just like audrey and people google me and then they see photos of me that don't really represent me every day right oh that's interesting like um i guess like a character more or less is what you're saying so like it creates kind of this role play aspect exactly How has it been, I know you mentioned before that you're building up your presence also as a fashion influencer and somebody who is establishing credibility in that space. Why did you decide to expand your niches or what was the reasoning for why you were like, oh, I also want to do 
this other thing? Very good question. So when I really started expanding my um, my Isabel Miller persona online, then uh, I started getting a few, you know, gifted brand deals here and there. And I was like, okay, I actually do like taking fashion photos and things like that. Mm-hmm. The only problem, I didn't really know how to incorporate it well into my overall Isabel Miller brand. It's like, yes, I can, but to what extent? So I feel like it would be kind of a limited capacity to be like, okay, I'm going to do fashion. I'm going to do X. I'm going to do Y. But then who do I really appeal to at the end of the day? Because mm. if I really want to focus on my influencer side of beauty and fashion, I want to I want to appeal to a different audience, a new audience that's there for that. And right. for Isabel Miller, it can be a little challenging because it's going to be too polarized, I believe, because the women are going to see the cute stuff. And then the guys are going to be like, oh, well, I want to sex your stuff. Mm. So I, f- I found it personally, it will be a bit more complicated for me to do both very well. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I do both at the same time, then uh, once the both sides are going to be weakened. So I'll rather have two really strong sides separated that kind of have this mismatch of, okay, what's really going on here? Right, right, right. Yeah, if you have a mostly male audience that's already expecting certain things from you it could like you said weaken that community and ultimately you're all this is also part of your business and like a part of your income so that makes a ton of a ton of sense do you find that creators who have other social presences and then also have an only fans do you find that they do brand deals on social media and you can do brand deals on OnlyFans or are you unable to do kind of sponsorships or brand deals on OnlyFans? I'm not super familiar with the platform, so I'm That's curious. A very <laughs> good point. I think I haven't really heard of that. It's like, no, I don't directly promote products on OnlyFans. You can promote other creators, but mm. products not really because it's already a paid platform in the first place. Mm-hmm. And most, if you go, for example, on Patreon or different big platforms, people expect to see the specific content, right? That's a you know paid for instead of seeing more ads. Yeah, that makes sense. The reason I initially thought about it was I was like, maybe there's like, you know, certain clothes that you're gifted. There are things that you can wear, I guess, source from brands to wear in in some of your paid videos. But like you said, it is a subscription platform. So people are purposefully paying not to see (laughs) brands. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I, of course I wear them, but at the same time, you know, I don't necessarily promote them like I would on Instagram, for example. I think it's an interesting way to also think of content where your free content, it's kind of like, free with ads and then your only fans or patreon or subscription platforms are more of the premium content where you don't have ads and i don't think that's necessarily is part of it but also not necessarily just that right because um uh, it's more like you know a matter of exposure as well because if you have generally you always have more exposure on the free social media platforms so mm-hmm. it makes more sense to actually promote that prop, that product there to more eyes than on OnlyFans where it's like, you know, less people. Right. And then they're going to be more interested in what 
you do on there than, oh, let me buy this. But now that you mentioned it, I wonder what if, you know, what if the fans out there, they see a nice set, I give them a promo code and then they buy them for whoever. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's a good, maybe the affiliate marketing could work really well on subscription platforms. Because if you have a code and you get some sort of kickback, it's a lot easier to promote that probably in premium content or subscription-based content than it is on just just free stuff. But Mm -hmm. I guess it also just depends on, you know, like you said, you do get maybe some more visibility and discoverability via free content that you might not get with premium where people are already like, okay, I've seen her before. I want to subscribe to her premium stuff. That's an interesting point that you made for sure. Yeah, very true. And that's definitely something to think about. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. If a creator has a Patreon or subscription or OnlyFans, is there a difference between how each of them is advertised on social media? Do you find that creators who have Patreon can advertise an account more freely than OnlyFans? Or does it depend on the subject matter or are certain platforms like TikTok or Instagram not even really allowing you to promote OnlyFans? How do you drive traffic to that platform? That's a very good question. I'll say overall, the Patreon thing kind of died with like adult and sexy content creator mm-hmm. because um, they have a lot more restrictions on what you can post on there and they don't have as much traffic. So mm-hmm. some people still post on uh, Patreon, but most of them have moved on to OnlyFans. And OnlyFans, I think, I think the good thing about OnlyFans, people just know. So it's like, even for example, TikTok, people are going to be like, you know, you're not that technically, you're technically not allowed to link it on there. Mm. But people can just go on your Instagram to see it. They can go on YouTube and, you know, go down to your link and see it anyway. So it's not that much of a problem. Wait, so let's say you have some sort of link tree. Yeah. You can't, if you put that link from Linktree into your TikTok bio, you can only do it if it doesn't have OnlyFans in there. So you have to create another one or, or you can't um, link OnlyFans directly to TikTok. You can link the Linktree that has OnlyFans, oh, but okay. you will not be able to, di- to access it directly from TikTok. Oh. So, so it's because more, they have like a, I think they have a firewall that blocks it directly. So like, okay, you cannot access it, but mm. you know, the problem with that too is like, yes, they'll know you have a web page and, you know, they might not access it directly, but they might maybe copy and paste it somewhere and do it mm. anyway. But the problem is that TikTok is a very, very smart platform and they blacklist you. Wait, okay, elaborate. What do you mean? So I've noticed a lot of times, if they notice that you are an OF creator or a mm-hmm. hardcore content creator, a lot of times they'll just ban your account, harass you, take down your video, stop you from posting for weeks. I know so many people who lost so many accounts, they create new accounts, they get banned. And it's kind of like this little dance where you come back and you come back again. It's kind of like a mouse and cat game. Mm-hmm. So I think the best way that I've done it over the years is to just keep it as clean as possible they have my name. They can just Google me and see what I'm doing. So Mm -hmm. I don't really, I try not to post content that's, you know, Instagram or Twitter risky on TikTok. 
So that's, I think that's a good thing too, because it allows me to expand, you know, different side of my creative powers. Because right. I can really have fun making TikTok trends, have like really cute vacation videos that sometimes I feel like there's no way it's, it's going to get any views, but let me post it anyway. And then lo and behold, you know, it has way more views than I expected. <laughs> so I think that's the magic of TikTok as well. It's like, okay, you know, at least I have that kind of like that uh, power to really do things differently. Mm-hmm. But um, besides that, I think it is kind of unfortunate that some people still have to go through this this pain of having their accounts banned here and there. So I think it's a good thing too. So I, I believe that they're a lot more lenient now than, uh, than they used to be. Mm-hmm. Because um, when uh, it started out between three, th- around three years ago, if you post a, a video of you in a bikini, good luck, you know, you're down, right. you're, you're down. And even, and that's not even just adult content creators or OnlyFans creators. It's just regular people as well. Whereas it can barely promote their, their swimwear brand because TikTok would just take everything down. But mm-hmm. um, now as if been a lot more lenient and I've even noticed some lingerie brands and some lingerie influencers on there, but I'm still kind of scared to do that on TikTok because, you know, I'm like, you know what? This is my second TikTok account. The first one, I actually deleted it voluntarily because I would keep, you know, getting, you know, community guidelines violations that made no sense. So I decided, you know, instead of getting permanently banned by TikTok, I'm going to delete the account myself. That way I will not be blacklisted in their system. Hello, hello, my lovely listener and friend. Kate popping in her post-production with a little bit of bad news. So I have a whole chunk of Audrey's audio totally missing granted this is at the very end um and all i have is basically just my audio is is what got picked up from like the last bit of our conversation so based on what i said i kind of pieced together context from what i think she was saying and what i was ultimately responding to which i will catch you up on here I'll give you the Cliff Notes version because I don't have the full version. (laughs) But anyways, I appreciate this uh, understanding in advance from you. And and sorry that this happened in terms of technology stuff. Um, We haven't had this happen yet on a guest episode. So I'm not sure why this was the lucky one, I guess. But anyways, Audrey was continuing and explaining why the possibility of like being blacklisted as somebody who has an OnlyFans or is a sex worker and like is has a platform like of premium content to promote. She said that didn't really bother her because it uh, forced her to essentially create content on other things that she was interested in, which is when she realized that she has the opportunity to like create positive impact uh, through her interest in fashion and travel and like vlogs. And I know she has a YouTube channel where she does like taste tests and trying snacks and answering questions and like really connecting with her audience in other ways. Um, And also showcasing that she is a well-rounded person and human being who has a lot of different interests and who isn't just, you know, in this box of like being a sex worker or being an OnlyFans creator. I know that's really important to her. And she talked about that earlier in the episode. Um, we also did talk about like other ways that you can have an OnlyFans or a premium content subscription because somebody like 
for example, Cardi B has an OnlyFans. And as far as I know, it's literally just like vlogs of her life and more like intimate looks into her family and her day to day, which she doesn't really share on some of her other social media pages. So um, Audrey did talk about other approaches that you can take to premium subscription content that's not necessarily um, sex work or kind of the standard box that people put uh, premium content into. And then the final question I did have for her, um, and again, based from based on what my audio was and answer was to her answer, I kind of picked up on what she said. Um, but <laughs> essentially the question that I asked her, the last question I asked her was what is one piece of advice that she wishes she got when she first started out as a creator? And her answer was that she wished she was told that this is not going to ha happen overnight and that it is a long game and it's all about really enjoying the process and liking what you do. I do finally remember this from the conversation. This was not in, in the transcript that I have, but this is like something I remember her saying. Um, she was like, I know that's a very cliche answer, but I really do wish that somebody told me that because there's a lot of glamorization around this happening overnight or quick. Um, and yeah, she basically said that, you know, you have to kind of fall in love with all the, the parts of, of having a business as a creator and creating content and being online, all of the, you know, negative and positive aspects. So I am passing that piece of advice along to you. Um, hopefully this helps if you're just starting out, hopefully that sets you back on the right path or gives you some piece of encouragement if you are a seasoned, more seasoned creator. But in any case, again, I appreciate your understanding in advance for this technological snafu. I don't know why it happened, but I'm really grateful that Audrey took her time to come on and chat with us because um, she's awesome and has so much, uh, you know, wisdom to share as, as a very, very seasoned creator. Um, so hopefully this was as helpful to you as it was to me. I know I learned a ton and I will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Thanks for tuning in to Kindly Gifted. To support the podcast, please leave a review, share with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you follow me on TikTok at Kate Mob for more creative secrets from the internet's momager. See you on the next episode of Kindly Gifted.